So who's hosting? As always. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Space Biff Book Space. As all that was um that was our Star Trek Ascendancy map. As, Don't worry about it. These people read always, books, Dan, they're not gonna know what that means. <laughs> I don't think Well, well. <laughs> Welcome back to the Space Biff Book Space. As always, I am your host, Dan Throw, and I am joined today by my co host Brock Polson. Hello. Good evening. And Oh no. Say what? say your stinger. Uh this time with more pages. Huh. Was this book longer? Oh, <laughs> maybe. It was longer than uh, <laughs> something. And my co uh, other co-host, Summer Winters Therat. Hi, that's me. Hello. That's her. Uh, today we are discussing The Obelisk Gate by N.K. Jemison. Uh, this is the sequel to... A trilogy first book that we did a while ago. Wow. What was it called? The Fifth Season. <laughs> this is her second of three Hugo winners in sequence three years in a row. It's an historic moment. Did we talk Very about that? impressive. That, it's pretty incredible. It's awesome. I don't think she had won her third Hugo when we did our first episode. When we episode. started it. No. She I just thought, barely won it this year. I thought maybe we'd mentioned it on a previous episode. Maybe I meant to. I think we said that she was in the running, and then, like, the day that we recorded, or, like, the day after, it was announced. It's pretty incredible. It was really close, yeah. It's an, it's an accomplishment. Yes. <clears throat> uh, and people have been discussing it. That's that's my polite way of putting it. Right. Certain types that of That she people. won three in a row? Yes. Uh, yeah, like, um... Uh, yeah. Some people have called it like the social justice Hugo. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's well the type of we'll, people we'll who are that. lots of fun at parties. Well, maybe depends on the party. Like a <laughs> rally. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you're out there and you hate this book, um, you know there are parts I don't like. Anyway, we'll talk about that today. Um, why don't we begin um, with some non-spoilerly, spoilery, wrong spoilers from Summer? That was a fancy title for my segment. Yeah. Here are... She's still writing. Here are... Quiet! Shh! That's <laughs> secret. Hey, <clears throat> don't make us blow the lid on, one. on your shame, Dan. This is the second... Yeah. And last book in the series that answers tons of questions. Yeah. yeah that's a wrong spoiler. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Do you think, um, do you think we're going to have a, answers by the third book? Was this a filler book in the trilogy or not? I have it on good authority that there are, there are answers to be had in the third book. Have you Is started it you? reading it? No. No, I'm not the good authority. I have a I have a friend. <laughs> uh Joshua. Hello, if you're if you're listening. Hi Josh. Thanks. Mm. <clears throat> and, the, that, and the podcast. Is that one of the discussion topics later, Brock? Is does the does this feel like a second entry? No, actually. 
Maybe, hang on. Let me pencil that in. Oh, okay. Does this <laughs> no. All right. Wrong spoiler number two. Essen learns to control her temper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she... Or not. <laughs> <laughs> or kind of like the opposite. Yeah, she's a... She's a crank. Um, she's passionate. One of my uh, one of my bad takes talks about that pretty passionately. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Good. Wrong spoiler number three. Zija learns to love his daughter as an origin. Oh, that one's oh, a little yeah. sad. Yeah, that one kind of hurts. Huh? Too yeah. soon. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> I'm already sad. Yeah, I was. The beginning of this book made me cry. Oh, really? Oh, it made yeah. you cry. Oh, oh yeah. I want to talk about that later. <clears throat> I thought it was me. That I was crying about you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, honey. It was the book. Oh, good. Made me really sad. That's it. I, that's all the wrong spoilers I came up with in the last two minutes. So, yeah, I mean that I a... that I thought about long and hard for <laughs> for at least a week. She she literally just finished her synopsis hey. too. So hey. I'm super excited to see how much uh, how much I leave out on yeah, the yeah. How many inaccuracies there are. Hey. I mean. I believe I'm the person who most recently finished the book. That's true. So, disclaimer, I have not read this book in months. Um, and he's uh, currently reading the third book. So he's like, yeah. wait, didn't this happen? And we'll be like, mm, no. We're going to get some crossed wires here. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be like, so when the Earth hits them with the moon. Wait, what? That was it. <laughs> Sorry, that was in, in Avengers Infinity War. Right. Huh. Where Thanos punches them with the moon. Oh my gosh. Do you remember that? No. He reaches mm-hmm. up into the sky and closes his fist and pulls the moon down on him like a meteor shower. Wow. You've seen it. You were with me. Wrong spoiler. There's a lot. What? There was a lot in that movie. That might. Uh, that may have happened. Some, yeah. Some who could CG tell? Happens. Yeah. Who could tell? Some CG happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Summer, for those wrong spoilers. You're welcome. We, we have reached the point where we want real spoilers. So if you're listening and you haven't read this book and you're still listening for some reason, or even if you have read the book and you're still listening for some reason, now is the moment where Summer is going to give one of her world-famous synopses. Is it time for that already? Yes. Oh, okay. That's that's right. She's still writing. No, I'm I'm good. (laughs) No, she's literally... I just wrote a note to myself to remind me about a part that I need to include. Now I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. I took speech class. In seventh grade. No, in college. Okay, are we ready? Yes. Dan, we're ready? Yes. Yes. I would say we're ready as well. Okay. The obelisk gate starts back at the beginning of the end of the world, but with Nason. We find out the catalyst for Zizia's murderous mental breakdown, and that he is in supreme denial about what his daughter is and believes that she can be made better. 
The narrative jumps between Nason in the recent past and Essen in the current time, such that by the end of the book, they are at the same time, approximately. We also get to find out what happens to Shafa after Pirate Island. He is weak and going a little crazy and has lost a lot of memory. Sexy Pirate okay. Island, right? Yeah, sexy Pirate okay. Island. Just making sure. As if sure. there's any other kind. <laughs> also known as Oily Clocks Island. <laughs> Gracious. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Sorry, that was kind of a callback to... Yeah, that's the edited version. Oh, yeah, oily clocks. Yeah. The clock... Clocks on oily clocks. And bridges. A bridge. Okay, anyway. Shafa kills a bunch of stills and takes a young origin from the small fishing village that he was rescued at. Uh, So that's Shafa. And he seems to be turning into a better person thing being, creature, whatever he is. Back to Nason. Zizia is taking her to a place where he has heard that origins can be cured. So they're traveling toward this town in the south when the big earthquake slash end of the world happens. Nason saves herself and him from the aftershock wave, and at first Zizia is ready to kill her for her exhibition of power, but Nason is slowly learning to say the right things to him to calm him down, and they travel on. They have some adventures on the way on the way and eventually make it to the village called Found Moon, where Nason uses her powers in a different way than she has ever used it before and cuts metal with it. And she basically saves her father from this harpoon in his leg. This is where Shafa <laughs> resides. Why was that funny? Well, because it's like the the harpoon was kind of a non sequitur. Yeah. Like he just <laughs> He's had he got this, harpooned. A harpoon appeared. By some bandits. He, he's had a harpoon in his leg for yeah. a few weeks. No. It was <laughs> by like, it was by a sudden attack of bandits. It's time I don't to need get to have every detail, man. <laughs> Dad. You remember the harpoon. Talk about the harpoon. Uh, okay. Okay, Gigi gets harpooned by some bandits. And then Shafa appears and kills all the bandits like a stud. And Nason uses her orogeny in a very cool way and slices the metal which we have never seen before and now i lost my place because you made me like you made me do that shaffa resides with two other damaged guardians and several origin children here in this village while here nason and her father continue to drift apart while nason gets closer and closer to shaffa eventually replacing him as her father figure This tortured Shafa is a much better person than he used to be, and you can tell that he genuinely loves and will protect Nason at all costs. As her powers manifest more and more powerfully and in different ways, she eventually turns one of her peers into stone, connects with an obelisk, learns how to heal, turns everyone to stone in the southern fulcrum, and eventually must kill her own father, who attempted to kill her first. A stone eater she befriended, who is the one who taught her how to heal, um, tells her that she will eventually kill everyone at this rate, kill everyone that she loves at this rate, and asks her if she will help him catch the moon with her power instead. (laughs) Speaking of stone eaters, let's get back to Essen and her stone eater Hoa in Kastruma. Essen is trying to understand what in the world Alabaster is trying to teach her, but every time he uses his orogeny, more of his body turns to stone. As before, they have difficulty communicating with each other, but both seem to come to terms with, a, with their mutual past. 
Essen calls a bunch of obelisks over to Kastroma, um, per Alabaster's instructions. A lot of drama ensues in Kastroma, the underground calm. Lerna, the doctor, develops a subtle crush on Essen after he gets over that she can and has murdered entire comms. <laughs> Attracted to power. Hoa disappears for a long time, and at first we don't even realize it. And then Essen is like, whoa, wait, Hoa's been gone for like weeks. Where's my Hoa? She's really nervous and scared. And then he one day... Joe Hoa no more. <laughs> <laughs> and then she realizes... He ain't Jehoah no more. <laughs> That's good, honey. I like that. Good. Um, I guess. <clears throat> anyway, Hoa disappears for a time and then reappears totally um, out of whack. As in, he's like chewed up, his jaw's gone, he's missing limbs, and Essen has to basically rescue him by feeding him his, spe- his special stones. And then he like oh, yeah, he like go, he like goes sure into this did. weird stone egg thing and rehatches and is reborn in his true form, not his cute semi childlike form. He's totally and Essen feels all Essen feels all hurt and weird and but they become friends again. There's Hoa. Anyone else want to add anything? <laughs> that was what I was adding <laughs> to remind myself to add it. Okay. Uh other things that happen in Kastroma is that Essen tries to teach the kid Origines how to be safe with their powers, but makes them all hate her because she teaches them the fulcrum way, and that's the mean way, with yelling and threats and breaking of hands. At, yeah, it's pretty cruel. Yeah. At this point, we understand that this is the way Essen taught Nason, and is the major reason that she hates her mother and wanted to leave home anyway. Kastroma is a unique calm in that stills and origins do live together, mostly in harmony. And Yaka, the leader, is a self-trained, pretty powerful origin who manifests her powers in ways that Essen doesn't understand nor comprehend. Essen loses her temper a ton. And Alabaster saves Kastroma from her uh, a couple times and turns into more stone, like his arms and his torso and his legs are basically... I mean, he's like more stone than man at this point. An equatorial calm discovers Kastroma and starts to threaten them. They are super, super freaky, with sharp teeth, stone-eater allies, and even a guardian. Tonki finally becomes useful with a genius idea just in time to wake up the boil bugs all around Kastroma to kill the attacking army, which Essen figures out how to do. Essen loses her temper again when someone in the comm is about to kill one of the Origin children because everyone is on edge. She almost kills a lot of people before Alabaster calms her down and kills himself in the process. He leaves one last clue for Essen before he dies about what she needs to do to get the moon back, which his stone-eater friend Antimony delivers to her. You have to network. Which is important in all aspects of life, even here in the stillness. <laughs> it's like the origin LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> you get invitations even if you didn't sign up. Oh, it's so annoying. It pretends you have an account. <clears throat> Despite the boil bug tactic, um, which, which was very successful, Kastroma is about overrun with bandits and evil stone eaters. So Yaka uses Essen and the other origins in a network 
to do some mega stone cutting to make an escape exit for them. Essen learns that she can do this too, and then she has a mega epiphany that she can network obelisks. She harnesses the power of a ton of obelisks, opening the obelisk gate, and sh and uh, shoves the evil stone eaters into the crystals of Castroma, and then turning to stone the entire equatorial calm <laughs> where the bandits came from. My handwriting got a lot messier here. <laughs> and then, because of all this power that Essen used, she comas out. Peace out. She drops the mic. Lerna. I don't, that's not what a mic drop is. Oh, well, whatever. Entering a coma is not a mic okay, drop. <laughs> well, she totally comas out. That's kind of the opposite <laughs> of a mic drop. Okay. Any, anyway, whatever. <laughs> Lerna learns from Hoa that the Equatorial Calm is totally dead of people and likely full of supplies and shelter. So the book ends with Kastroma Calm on its way there and Nason Stone Eater asking her about the moon. The end. Ooh, another Very moon good. ended. Thank you. you uh, Nicely you done. You wrapped up that ridiculous book and all of its weird nouns. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was good. That was... Uh, a, a delightfully succinct explanation of the obelisk gate. Okay, very good. Um, Thank you. We now remember everything that happened. Uh, though some of the things you mentioned, I was like, oh, yeah. Huh, huh. Oh. <laughs> it was a while ago, but I remember that. So uh, hopefully everyone remembers now. I, as the host, I have prepared um, some bad takes from around the internet. Excellent. And um, we'll see if we think these are bad takes or if perhaps one of us is actually the real bad take and we agree with it. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> so here we get. Okay, <clears throat> this one comes courtesy of Amazon.com. This is Jeff Bezos personally approved this review. Huh? Um, well, he, he approves everything. Yeah. Oh, right. That's why he makes and, so much uh, money. Yep. <laughs> he has made more money since we started this podcast than any of us will see in oh, our lives boy. cumulatively. Yeah. Honey, that hurts. You're not wrong, but it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't feel good to say it out loud. Uh, uh, uh. <clears throat> okay, so <clears throat> Jeff Bezos says It's like she had a good idea But had no idea what to do with it Read the first, thought it was okay Started the second, and forced my way to the end What a waste The story is so weak The characters are not well defined And she seems to just glaze over the parts you are waiting for in like a page much better books out there I am amazed how many people have it good ratings <laughs> <laughs> so what do we think do we agree with Jeff Bezos or Brad no no that's Jeff don't dox don't dox this person <laughs> yeah what if people go looking for this guy oh right like N.K. Jemison is listening. Hi, Aunt, hi, Nora. And um, she's like, I'm going to beat up this guy. <laughs> she can't get to the Bezos. but uh, I would disagree. No, I, I think that 
I think there are times when the criticism, uh, the author had a good idea, but just didn't know how to, how to write the book or how to tell the story. There are times when that's applicable, but I don't, I don't think that's the case here because I think that it's not based on a single good idea. Uh, I think that these, there are a lot of good ideas happening and they are quite well executed. I think that she did know what she was doing. I think that character thing is kind of... Okay, so I, I will disagree with one thing and sort of agree with another, where I, I think this comment on the characters is insane. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like this whole thing is basically a character study. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, they are all very distinct. Yeah, so I don't... You know exactly who each person right. is. And uh, so... Bezos, that was dumb. <laughs> Here's where I, I guess I'll agree a little teensy bit, just for the sake of agreeing with Jeff Bezos. In case he's... Hey, Jeff. And, um, <laughs> Good question, Jeff. Hey, Bezos. Um, <laughs> give me 1% of your daily income, just for fun. Bezos and, means um, kisses. Just one day. Just one day. Um, there are times where... I'll be sitting there reading a chapter in one of these books, and I'm going, man, these people are talking a lot. And then there's like an action scene, and I'm like, wow, that just ended. <laughs> and I'm not even saying that as a complaint. I'm just saying that to agree with the Bezos. The reason I, I'm saying that is, so some, some books that I read um, have really great action scenes that are, you know, like they make me feel something... Um, in the span of the action, they make me feel, you know, the tension or, or you know, excitement or something. I am, I don't get that out of these books personally. But that's not why I'm reading it. You so. don't, you don't get uh, hyped up by descriptions of Tauruses, not really, and how thin or concave they are. Yeah, so like, that doesn't I made do a it for you, Taurus. No, I like so like, and when there's like an action scene, I feel like it's really like Shafa shows up and like wham wham wham. Then he's gone. Yeah. Okay. He's so fast. That's over. It's not as annoying. Okay. The Taurus descriptions are not as annoying as the metal-eating descriptions in... In Mistborn? Mistborn. That's true. Okay, so... I knew exactly where you were going. She did some special metal and pushed, and then she bowled. And then she flared. And then she flared. And it's so that's every like every page. So that's every the exact page. opposite example, isn't it? Where it's yeah. big battle scenes that I by the end I'm just going. Is that what you want, Bezos? <laughs> Is this what you want? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's Bezos. <clears throat> okay. Here is um, here's another opinion from Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> Bezos says excuse me story stupid writing poor don't waste your money I wish I had never started the series wow um projecting a little Bezos (laughs) Bezos. (laughs) it was a hard day at Amazon HQ yeah he was really writing about Amazon okay (laughs) So that okay. Well, we don't, I guess we don't have to comment now. Here, here is somebody's much better written, more literate review from Goodreads, which seems appropriate. 
Um, and this is somebody named Heba. Uh, and she says... <clears throat> so she, she, she says a whole bunch. Um, and I'm just going to read a couple segments from it. So she says, The obelisk gate was just so effing boring. <clears throat> and places very bland. Filled with info dumps and overall incomparable to the glory that was the fifth season. I was annoyed during Essen's POV because although I still loved N.K. Jemison's writing in general, Essen's second-person present tense narrative was so rusting, annoying, and totally (laughs) unnecessary. Essen never actually did anything other than skulking around and feeling sorry for herself. I know she had a bad and unfar life, (laughs) and nothing can be done to bring her justice. I understand... All cops. But can we please move to important thing, please, now? I was so excited to learn more about Alabaster, but that poor man only existed to provide info dumps about this world. Okay. Hmm. I I think that... Okay, the first book is larger in scale because we're learning about the world and then the second book focuses in on the parts of that world that we're actually telling the story about and I just think that's storytelling I don't think that's (laughs) not living up to the expectations of the first book I just think that's how you tell a story I can see how in some parts it's like it's kind of an like an info dump or whatever, what she wanted to call it. But I didn't feel that that, I didn't, I didn't feel annoyed by it. I was enjoying the book and I was happy to learn more about it because Mm. the first book left so many questions that it was nice to get some answers. And you felt you got enough answers to feel satisfied. Yeah, with the answers I got. I mean, there's obviously some things that we still don't know or understand about the world and about their powers and how magic and orogeny work and things like that. You know, I was happy to learn more about that. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you think, Dan? Um, I can see her point. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I agree with what you're saying, Brock. Um, it's more focused but that's appropriate. The, the first book kind of takes you all over the place. Yeah. Um, I, I, that is a question that I, I was asking myself a lot while I was reading it was, do I feel like this feels like the usual, like second entry in a trilogy? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's kind of weird because at times I felt very much that way. And at other times I was really satisfied with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an easy question for me. Uh, um, my answer is as unsatisfying as that experience. I suppose I, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't decide. Um, I, I, I guess I'll put it this way: I really liked Nasson's storyline, um, and in a way, and I hope, and I don't know if Brock will talk about this when he gets to his discussion points, but in a way, it actually directly responded to one of my, not problems, but one of my thoughts with the first book one of my criticisms with the first book, um, which I don't know if you guys remember at all, but that I, I feel like anytime you use superpowers as a metaphor for 
you know, racial or class oppression or anything. I, I don't think the metaphor works because there's a huge difference between a disenfranchised class and people who can literally just kill a village by thinking about it. Right. Um, and so I was, so one question I raised, um, was, isn't the fulcrum right to do what they're doing, even if they're jerks about it? Like, don't there need to be protections in this world? I feel like this book actually answered that. Um, and so I really liked that. Mm-hmm. I loved Nassen's story. And I, every time it was somebody, every time it was Essen, I was just really eager to get back to Shaffa and Nassen. Mm-hmm. And then Essen's storyline, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, I I wasn't loving it. It was well, I fine. Think you, I think Yuka was also part of that solution, too. I mean, it was showing that she, as an origin leader that was self-taught, that she could also be powerful and help people and bring people together in a good way. Yeah, and I, yeah, and that's true. I just, I just wasn't finding her quite as interesting. Yeah, the Essence story. Yeah, I like I like Nason's story better too. Um, because it was kind of showing like, what if the fulcrum was more humanistic? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was showing like you can train um, these origins, and there's there's going to be casualties, mm-hmm. and it's going to be hard. And puberty is gonna suck. They're gonna turn people to diamonds. Um, but you no, know, you can you can do it. And kind of their corrupted guardians who were protecting them. There was still kind of this threat of like, if you go off the rails, you die. Yeah. Be- which I, I think befits the fact that they can kill millions of people. Uh, yeah, that they are. So they are uh, weapons of mass destruction. Right. But but I really liked that that it showed uh, Shafa as a as a guardian rather than a guardian. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. so I so so I so I kind of agree with uh, Heba's perspective here in the sense that um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I felt like Essen's storyline was not as interesting to me, uh, but I really loved what they did with Nassen and Shafa, and uh, so okay, so so th- those are all of the. Uh, Bad takes, and uh, I'm I'm Bezos bad takes. Yeah, so Jeff Bezos had some really bad ones. Uh, The Goodreads ones. Can't believe he commented twice. Well, he just he sees something getting a a lot of five star ratings, and the Bezos just wants to drive that down. It's his platform, so he can do what he wants. What's What's he gonna do? Have someone buy more from him? Okay. So, Brock, I want you to to lead us in our actual discussion, okay. if, you, if you would kindly do that. Yeah, so there were a couple things that, that uh, did sort of tie in. Um, one, one person claimed that the writing was bad uh, in this book. Um, so my first discussion topic, how much easier was this to read than The Goblin Emperor? <laughs> well, that's a good question. I thought it was easier. The point of view style that Jemison was using in the first book was not in use here. So I thought that, or maybe it was, and I'm just, I was just more used to it. Now I can't remember. Hmm. Where it uses the second person present tense. Like, you go to the store, oh. you eat milk. Right. That has curdled. Yeah, I mean, it's Was it still, doing that? It does that for Essen, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I guess it does. It just wasn't as jarring. I guess I was more used to it. She's desensitized you. <gasps> like a fulcrum operative to violence. <gasps> wow. Huh. That's deep. That's, that's, no, I that, was just going to say that. You've been incepted. 
No, that was <laughs> that was strained. <laughs> I'm trying to remember this book. <laughs> so I stand by my assessment. I I think the Goblin Emperor is really good, but I think it's much less welcoming than the Obelisk Gate. Uh, so there's a quote from Elmore Leonard, uh, a pulp and crime novelist. He said, if it sounds like writing, I rewrite it. <laughs> I think N.K. Jemison, her prose doesn't sound like writing. It's like, uh, it's Thought. like absorbing a story. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it does not get in the way of, you know, the, the writing doesn't get in the way of the reading, I guess. Yeah. And it's, um, where I think sometimes the Goblin Emperor, it, it would get kind of flowery and, uh, and it's just know. reading words rather than reading. The yeah, story. there was like friction yeah, in trying to read it, but this, it, it's, you know, it's so smooth. It's just, yeah, it was, it was a much easier and, and I think more, more enjoyable read for me. Mm-hmm. I feel there's a, and I, uh, I'm kind of reluctant to say this because I, I enjoyed the Goblin Emperor and I feel like Catherine Addison accomplished something kind of monumental with her world building. Um, but I do feel there's a difference in the level of craft going on yeah. there. Um, N.K. Jemison, I feel like she understands how to make names sound different and how to make them stick in your mind. Like Yika and Hoa and Essen, even Essen and Nassen being similar is the fact that it's so similar is there to draw the comparison. I mean, she, she just, everything makes sense in its place all of the nouns i never had to you know there is an appendix because it's such a dense world um as of the second book i never referred to yeah it. i didn't need to either um which i think is pretty monumental yeah, there were some here. times there were some times where i think like there were some callbacks to earlier stuff and she doesn't she doesn't play she doesn't play softball with you like she'll just mention old threads right and expect you to pick them up but I feel like I, I feel like even in those instances, I figured it out really quickly. I, I just I feel it's masterfully written, um, and anything I say negative about it is kind of me, the critic side of me looking for, like okay, so this is you know by by nature any craft is imperfect, which right? Would have been better, mm-hmm. but I I really think it's monumental. I I think it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, even yeah. if I got sick of Essen. <laughs> yeah, I, which is kind of part of her character too, isn't it? Because because Nassen's annoyed with her mom, mm-hmm. she kind of annoys me. I, I feel like it works out. You know, Alabaster yeah. is is frustrated with her. She's frustrated with Alabaster. I think maybe that they're supposed to be kind of uh, difficult chapters. You right, know, they're abrasive. A, yeah, abrasive. That's a good word for it. And. Um, well, in Alabaster, I feel like I was feeling the way that it describes Essen feeling, where he comes, and yeah, I can see it being called an info dump. In this book, he largely exists to be an expository force, not only for us, but for her. And so she goes to talk to Alabaster, and he's like, all right, so here's what you got to do. You got to put these uh, circuits in tandem, and you've got to link the moon. Bring me and the toe like, has. You know, you're like, whoa, what the heck? But she leaves, and she's like, what is that old bastard talking about? And I'm going, you know. So I, I feel it was 
I, I feel like it did a good job of uh, of helping me to feel what the characters were feeling. I I don't have any complaints in that regard. Yeah. I any, concur. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think it's telling that I, I am really eager to discuss the third book and re- finish the third book. Mm-hmm. Whereas if, if Goblin Emperor 2 came out, I'd be like, well, you know, sometime. Maybe at some uh, point. <laughs> right. Like kind of a long December or something. <laughs> <laughs> In a year. <laughs> so, what do you think, Brock? How much easier was it for you? Oh, I, I mean, you I, are the champion of the Goblin Empire. I am. I really am. But I, but I also recognize that uh, more, uh, you know, denser prose does not make for a better book. Um, you know, being being more verbose uh, can can maybe sound and look more impressive, but I think it's a it's more of an accomplishment to write the way that Nora Jemison does, and to write in a way that just you know y- you just fly through the story. Um, yeah, so I th- um, I think that they're they are both both good books and this one was easier to read I think a lot of modern authors kind of fudge their readability by focusing on short chapters and I think that's a publisher trick too right like have a lot of short chapters sure so that no matter how poorly written it is you're still going at a steady clip uh, one thing I like is that uh, Jemison lets you settle into a scene there are some really long conversations mm-hmm. and there are some very long chapters but because they're they're paced so perfectly, they don't feel long. Right. Um, and it's more about the craft than it is about the structure, which I really appreciate. Um, because sometimes I'm reading books and I'm just going, man, they just remove... Um, a good example is actually... Um, what, what was that gooey book we read like two months ago? Um, <coughs> uh, the, the Stars Are Legion. That one. Yeah. Like, like it, it, it tended to just zip, 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 zip through the story... Um, but I, I love that at times and conversations and character moments that Jemison will let them breathe. She kind of gives them room to stretch out. Uh huh. Yeah, she's very talented at that. Uh, all right. So I wanted to read a line uh, for, for my next discussion topic. A line that Essen, I believe that it is... Uh, well, it's not Essen saying it. It's whoever is telling the story to Essen. Mm-hmm. So many regrets in you that they spin heavy as compressed iron at your core. Uh, and there are other, there are other uh, moments and lines that make me think about this book and Essen's story uh, as... Uh, very much metaphor and I mean she is going through it but for parenthood and uh, it is that something you feel we are all parents Um, do you feel the weight of regrets with your children with your child I suppose we have a one four-year-old child. So go ahead. You look like you want to say something, Summer. Well, I was going to say I haven't had to um, 
bury any children or kill any of my own children. So there's so there's that. I sure <laughs> or or break or break your living child's hand. Yeah, I, I haven't um, needed to do that to teach Kate control. <laughs> I, I guess I feel a little bit of that sometimes, more in in the sense of omission than anything I may have may have actually done, like. Uh, <clears throat> There are times when I could probably be more active as a parent as opposed to letting, um, you know, letting Kate watch as much TV as she watches. Or <laughs> um, I don't know if that gives me a ton of uh, regret because she's a pretty active little kid and we do spend a ton of time together. But, uh, I mean, but there are things that have happened... Um, even pretty recently where I have felt maybe not regret, but, but kind of this weird primal anxiety about parenthood and that idea of compressed iron at your core, uh, roiling or agitating. I, I felt, I felt that way in a way that I don't necessarily feel about anxiety for myself. I'm interested to hear, to hear what you are going to say, because you're more of a veteran parent. Right. So I have, <laughs> I have three children. Um, my, my oldest is eight. Um, and that, that resonated with me. Uh, the, the idea just of always, you know, there's always something that could have been done better or differently. And, uh, you know, and obviously nothing, nothing as extreme as, as essence situation. Uh, but I did, so I, I then sort of tied that to a, a line later in the book, um, with, uh, Nason and she is talking about, uh, removing the, uh, you know, the, the thing that's in, uh, Shafa's, Head, uh, neck mm, mm-hmm. and she says if she hurts him because she loves him is that still hurt and I thought that was really interesting that she's contemplating that when uh, you know when she she bears such a grudge against her mother for for the broken hand you know for the the hurt that that was inflicted on her because out of love um, and it you know it it uh, sort of made me it made me pause and it made me say well yes <laughs> it's still hurt you know there's no uh there's no point where you can erase damaging someone because because you're saying well i you know it's out of love i love this person therefore this uh you know this damaging behavior is uh is excusable um but I thought I thought that was an interesting, uh, an interesting moment with Nason. Mm. It was. It makes me wonder about like spanking, right? Um, <laughs> like because Shafa in the first book, I remember him saying that he loved the uh, wards in his care, you know, the origins, and he seemed genuine in that love, even while he did really terrible things to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, scars that have turned out to be generational because Essen has passed them along to her daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently, you know, I, I, if we take him at his word and I don't see any reason why we shouldn't, um, 
I would think that he he was doing those terrible things out of love. Um, and part of this book is showing that there's a better way to go about them. Right. Um, that these yeah that these cycles are are just hurt as you put it right uh and then i i guess going along the the lines of uh parenting uh so as soon you know when she uh, she is talking with alabaster at one point and I don't I don't remember what exactly happens but she sort of there's a display of her power that that surprises Alabaster uh and he you know he says what happened to you and she says I had two children and she talks about the way that having these children sh- sharpened her and made her uh you know out of necessity she had to improve her skills so she could uh, protect these uh, these babies, mm-hmm. um, you know. And I just thought about that that uh, the way that, um, and specifically the way that motherhood sharpens women, and you know, just out of necessity, the way that the way that a mother has to adapt and and survive their baby. Um, <laughs> You know, and quite literally. Uh, but I, I, you know, I just I think this book has some interesting things to say about about love and parenting. Yeah, I, I like its o- I like its overall message that <clears throat> that doing things that doing hurtful things out of love is not really love. <clears throat> Which is, I mean, that's a harmful message that that love hurts, you know, like there's a, there's a whole bunch of songs about that (laughs) and that love is painful, but it's not, and it shouldn't be. Right. And, um, I mean, that's a really, that's a really hurtful message that it should be. That said, I do. So, so, um, those who know me will know that I'm, I'm a Steinbeck fan and what I really do love his book of mice and men. Um, and one of the takeaways from that book, I, I think is that even really terrible acts can be acts of love. Um, even murder can be an act of love. Um, in the case of, you know, one character killing another, Lenny, so that he, right? yeah, so that he doesn't, he doesn't get beaten to death, uh, <laughs> by people who don't care about him. And it's a, it is, it is kind of this terrible necessity uh given the world that they're occupying and i you know i'm not that i'm saying that that's going to happen to us or or that that's likely um but i but here's where i where i'm saying this well i think it's i think it can i think it's only applicable in really extreme circumstances right like essen killing her own child right that was an act of love right it was an act of terrible uh, terrible love. Terrible mercy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there, I think there, I think there is some difference in that. A lot of this book too is talking about institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. th- there's a difference between extremes and 
just the, you know, the course of what you do in a day. Um, like, was it necessary for Essen to break her daughter's hand to teach her self-control? Well, we, you know, I probably, you know, what else did she try first? Right. Um, as we're what about like she, a, like, you know, one of those horse bites where you pinch someone real hard? What if that would have worked? Yeah, knuckle thump on the that? back of the head. You yeah. Know. Um, Did she give her a dead leg? Yeah, I mean, there are, you know, and maybe she did. Well, we, but we learned that Essen really doesn't know any other way to do that. And she's confused by Yaka's powers and that she's so powerful and able and has survived this long and is the way she is. Like, she does not get that. Right. right. Well, that's why I say I think it's about institutions because mm-hmm. I would argue so too do the guardians not know a better mm-hmm. way so too do the comms not know a better way until they're shown by you know this this geode com that they have to get along in order to survive mm-hmm. I, I think it, I think one of the things it's talking about is that institutions are real bears to uproot um, and it takes the extreme at times it takes the end of the world at times to <laughs> right. change our day-to-day processes that tyr- that that tradition is a form of tyranny that we interact with um, you know that that old chestnut that tradition is the tyranny of dead men that that even someone like Shaffa who does terrible things and this doesn't rob him of complicity he has still done these things just as Essen not knowing a better way doesn't mean she didn't break her daughter's hand. But she <clears throat> hasn't caused damage for that. Yeah. Um, but it's an explanation, not an excuse, you know. Yeah, I like that uh, Shafa has kind of turned the corner, and he's he is trying to, like, make up for it. Right, with, and you can see the regret Nessa. in him. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he does, now that he understands that there's a better way and that he's kind of been shackled to this tradition, um, he's trying something <clears> else. <throat> And he seems like a really jittery about it. Yeah, you know, because he has this parasite thing in his face. <clears throat> back of his head. The back of your head is just deep in your face. <laughs> <laughs> your face goes all the way around. Huh. <laughs> Think about it. Uh, okay, so speaking of uh, Shafa. Um, Okay, so, and and you sort of touched on this, Dan, as, as far as the metaphor of this book. Uh, has the metaphor changed in terms of who are the origins and who are the guardians? Hmm. So are we saying, so previously we're saying guardians oh. was kind of, was society and and maybe maybe even to an extent i think we sort of touched on uh origins uh specifically being uh people of color and guardians being police um and i don't know that we outright said that but that that really is kind of um maybe the most outright metaphor right and I, I think Jemison is wise not to make it like so one thing I do like about it is that um, the oppression is not tied really to race in fact racial oppression is a part of the world 
with the Sansa right. people thinking they're better and superior. Yeah, um, it's a separate... I, yeah with their sharp teeth. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that lets it tap into something more <clears throat> universal than, for instance, like our current North American conflict between, you know, right. people of color and police. Um, though I, I, imagine, I imagine that's certainly on Jemison's mind. Um, so has the metaphor changed? Hmm. What do you think? Probably. All the guardians we've met so far are kind of cracked. Right. <laughs> uh. And we know from suits that black don't crack. <laughs> what? <laughs> I learned that from Psych, personally. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Life lessons from OK Television, from yep. USA. From where characters are welcome. I can. I guess I can see, like, maybe this isn't answering your question, but um, I guess for me the metaphor changed from one of systemic oppression to one of, like, what do we do now? Personal. Sure. Now the revolution is over. And the world is ending. Um, so I, I was kind of looking at the, the, you know, maybe the metaphor is adding layers. Uh, and, you know, specifically when a father looks at his daughter and says, I know what you are, and I have heard of this place where people can cure you. Oh, like in the and, sense that it's about like homosexuals right. and queer, being cured of their sexuality you know and and there are you know there are a few conversations where Zizia is you know why, why aren't you cured yet why you know are you even trying and uh you know and and Nason says you know I like what I am and I you know and I don't it's there's nothing to cure um so I thought that was an interesting uh you know maybe layer or expansion of that yeah, I was thinking about that as well. That's true. Um, so the the uh, the guardians, and you kind of mentioned, you know, the guardians are maybe not the uh, buttoned up good guy, or well, not good guys, but buttoned up authority figures that they appeared to be in the first yeah, they're, book. They're a little damaged. Right. The uh, bad one in the bandit camp, she's not even wearing shirts anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Is she naked? The one that attacks Essen in the bandit camp? Yeah. She's shirtless. Oh, well. She's just she's just flying out there in the breeze. It's her her body, her choice. Yeah. Right. Just I'm just saying. That seems cold. Probably. Yeah, no? it seems a little foolish. I, I think, yeah. In terms of exposing yourself to the elements. To boil bugs. Yeah. <laughs> Among other things. Ash. Yeah. <laughs> Cannibals. Right. Because they're like Just Look tasty. at all that skin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just putting it on display. Uh, sorry, I think we got a little off topic. What were you saying, Brock? <laughs> Oh no! I I mean that's that I wanted to talk about the weirdness of the guardians, uh, uh, you know, and and how they they sort of had this uh, veneer of being in charge, um, 
you know, but really we, the origins, that's who has the power, you know, that's, um, and, you know, and from a societal, uh, Dan, like what you were saying, you know, if we're looking at it from organizations and society, you know, where it actually is, uh, you know, those who seem to be in charge are really, you know, or only rule, should only be ruling by the consent of the governed, to, you know, to, to borrow a phrase. It's interesting because I feel like it's, we're almost getting into social contract theory <laughs> where, <laughs> um, like minor, like minority oppressors tend to be minority oppressors. Like, uh, you know, if, if you could, what? well, in, in the you sense mean that minority like, oppressors tend to be minorities. Is that what you meant no, to say? No, no, the, that the people who like police are the minority of the people that they're governing and policing. The oppressors seem like the majority, but that's a trick of perception. They're a, they're a tiny group all told. Right. Like if you wanted, I'm not advocating this necessarily. I'm not saying we should use guillotines <laughs> against the Bezos. <laughs> I'm saying if you wanted to, if you basically just could. We outnumber him. <laughs> right, that's the point. Like, um, I mean, on the other hand, right. the fulcrum can shut it down, right? They have that uh, magic power to turn uh, off your origin. Yeah. The f- n- not the fulcrum, the guardians. Yeah, so I was just going well, to say that Shafa and Nason and one other guardian, damaged guardian, go to the southern fulcrum where the origins have basically taken over. And Shafa's like, nuh-uh, and he kills them all. And then Nason goes out and meets one little grunt, and she's like, this is wrong, and she stones them all. (laughs) So... I think they're still in charge. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's something else at play there. I mean, so at this point, doesn't... I get the sense that Nason's just pretty... uh, like she feels like maybe Alabaster didn't go far enough. <laughs> She's coming around <laughs> to his point of view. Yeah, I mean, Nason or Essen? Nason. She doesn't even know Alabaster. No, but she hates everyone. This world is ridiculous. She has to kill her own father. She hasn't done that yet. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> she hadn't done it yet. Dang it! She stoned that whole fulcrum complex. Of baby origins. Wait, didn't she? She killed them all. Yeah, but she kills her dad. She does. She, she does did at the kill end. her dad. I yeah, that's what I'm not, talking it's about. It's not until the oh, end. Okay. No, I know, but I'm saying that she's becoming more and more like misanthropic. Yeah. She hates the system. The problem is people. Kill them all. Yeah, it's probably why she becomes friends with a stone eater too. Yeah. Yeah, there like the creepy stone eater. He's like. You hate people? Me too. Let's kill them all. I hear that. But he says, but he wants to catch the moon too. So what's his angle? Is he a good stone eater or a bad stone eater? Oh, he's a bad stone eater. Is he? Yeah. His name is Evil. What? No, it's Oh, it's not. Steel. That sounds evil. Steel, she yeah. Call, she calls him Steel. Yeah. That sounds he's, bad to me. Yeah, he's a bad guy. Okay. There are factions, right? Like, 
okay. find out. We've we'll learned find that out stone if he's a good one factions. or a bad one. Uh, all right, so. Uh, <laughs> So here's another here's another line from the book, and this is Nason. Maybe this will get us back on track. Uh, so <laughs> I think it's okay about. that we're disagreeing no, I, about I think this. it's lovely, yeah. Wait, what, what did we disagree about? I think he might be a good stone eater. Oh, he's not a good stone eater. That's insane. <laughs> you're judging you're judging the stone eater by the name that Nason gave no, him. No, I'm judging him by the fact that I'm pretty sure he's the same stone eater that was trying to kill Hoa. I thought Hoa killed him. No, they, like, wrestled or something. I thought Essen killed him. Nah, he got away. <laughs> Steel, Steel's bad news. His name is Steel. Okay, Steel is the kind of man that only a young, dumb girl could, could fall for. Could trust. <laughs> Essen yeah. would just be like, nope. <laughs> I've met enough men in my yeah, life. I know what you are. <laughs> <laughs> He has to attach to the impressionable, All the right. angry young. All right, we'll find out. But I, I'm pretty sure that the bad stone eater that Hoa got him. Hmm. I'm pretty okay. sure. Well, I guess I'm, we'll find out. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. There's lots of them around. So maybe it's a different one. But maybe you guys are right. I don't know. All right, we'll stop this. We'll stop this debate. Okay, so here, so here's the line. This kind of ties into uh, the the discussion at hand. Uh, and I think Nason says this, allies must trust in one another, be vulnerable to one another. Uh, is that realistic or naive? Nason says that? Yeah. Nah, I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I kind of Who's think... Who's she talking about being allies I, with? I do, I do agree, uh on certain scales. Okay, see, you knew where I was going. <laughs> yeah, I think on a personal scale, uh, you know, you're talking about like a marriage. Yeah, you know, I, I, where it's a partnership, you trust in one another, you're vulnerable to one another, but perhaps not on a uh, national scale. Okay, well, if that's how we're defining ally, because I was going to do the whole anonymity argument. That uh, but that's what that's that's how we operate as a society is that we can be allied with, and rely on people we will never meet, and you don't care about them, and you scream the f word at them when they <laughs> cut you off in traffic, and you're still on the same team. Are you? Team yeah. America. <laughs> You'd go to war with each other. Not if it's a Nazi. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty damn. sure I'm not on the same team as a Nazi. Who's fighting him? If we're if we're fighting a war based on nation states, you would still be allied with them. We can we, if we turn terms into things that they don't mean, then we can make anything mean anything. <laughs> uh, so, Summer, to answer your question, I think that Nason says that to Shafa. if I remember correctly. Hmm. I guess I'm just not remembering the context. I think it was with uh, with regards to the uh, the thing in his what is it Sesapine? How are you how are you pronouncing that? I say Sesapine. Does he have them or it's just in the back of his head? It's nah, he... 
isn't it like isn't that like a gland <laughs> and he's got some kind of uh splinter stone yeah. splinter it's got something in it some kind of implant that almost got tonky too oh yeah that's Remember right your arm got chopped off that was fun oh yeah that happened yeah and it was so evil yeah uh, yeah and, and it was like <laughs> it was just a creepy little s- sliver yeah would you let it go into you no, that's for creepy. superpowers. I think after the <laughs> fifth season, I might. Before, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they do have some Wait, cool what? powers. Don't, aren't you in enough? You already have like a rubber splinter inside you, so don't you have enough pain? <laughs> yeah, that's true. You don't want one in the back of your head. Uh, yeah. No, I'm all about becoming a cyborg. <laughs> bring bring on the wetware. That's what I say. Yeah, that'd be awesome. My my father-in-law has this it's like a blood uh blood sugar monitor in his tricep. Yeah. And, it, and it's just like it just pokes into him. And I was just like, "You're a cyborg. You're on your way." Yeah, he is. That's he awesome. He sure is. Yeah, Does he a, scan it with his little uh he's, Yeah, he's got thing. a little device yeah, that like, he scans it. He's an yeah. augmented human. Yep. Yeah, I have three we, type have three 1 diabetic sisters. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. They've all got artificial pancreases. Basically. Sitting on their belts. Yes, yeah, they wear on their belts and it pumps crap into them all day. <laughs> yep. It's amazing. Yeah. We're so what a close time to be to, alive. Yeah, we're so close to... Uh, oh, now I can't remember the, the uh, video game series. Deus Ex. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Unfortunately, the, the thing in Shafa's head is not an insulin pump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not. Also, unfortunately, we're like the last generation before they invent brain writing and real cyborgs. Oh, so boy. we kind of suck. <laughs> we're in trouble. Like our children will live forever, and they're going to be like, dang it, Dad missed it by like oh, five like years. Two hours. <laughs> <laughs> two hours. <laughs> before they could have uploaded them. <laughs> Damn you, Bezos! Bezos! <laughs> Man, we're really ragging on him today. <laughs> he yeah, he doesn't it. deserve our sympathy. No. <laughs> he would pay be a guardian. Pay some taxes and then you'll yeah. get some sympathy from me. He even looks like a guardian. Think so? Yeah. So you have ice white eyes? No, I picture guardians as just like these little weenie headed wimps. <laughs> what? And then they're surprisingly tough. Yeah. I would call Shafa the opposite of a weenie little wimp. Does it yeah, describe his appearance? It does. It says that he's tall and super strong. I picture him like uh, the old warrior. And has ice white eyes and long black hair. So we're all picturing like Ron Perlman now. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Who? I'm picturing like Hellboy. this really buff Indian with white eyes. Oh, interesting. Which type of Indian? Native American Indian. Oh, okay. First Nation. Native <laughs> to the American Okay, we've gotten so off. <laughs> what are we talking about again? So I, I wanted splinter. to... Okay, so the next discussion topic, oh. which which pro wrestler do you think Shafa looks like? <laughs> what? <Ooh. laughs> no, that's not really, but... <laughs> Cauliflower uh, ear. Oh, yeah. Dave Batista. Nice. Yeah, that could work. <clears throat> With really bad cauliflower ears. That's a... That's a a hot look. Yeah. 
Jason Statham. Like an 18th century pugilist. I'm going to say Jason Statham, but taller. Like a tall Jason Statham. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's who I picture. That's who you picture a lot of the time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, we need to cut your hair more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because other than that, it's a, you're a dead ringer. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the barrier. <laughs> it's my hair. That's the missing piece. If yeah. we were to shave my head and cover me in motor oil, I would look like Jason Statham in the Transporter 2. To a T. Oh, yep, it's perfect. <laughs> the transformation would be complete. Okay, so uh, my last my last topic. Uh, <laughs> so when we did the fifth season, uh, Dan had issue with some, or was skeptical of some cultural things uh, about the way a society would react to, uh, to these seasons. Uh, so I had a specific... Uh, a specific thing that stuck out to me. So they still, uh, these people are still using all of our swear words, uh, but they've also added some, right? So they've added burning and rusting and flaking, uh, that they use as profanity. Yeah. Uh, um, so first of all, do you think, uh, do you think that earth. would happen in this world? Would they keep the old ones and add these new ones? Nah, they'd drop ours. They'd keep the F-bomb, because that's a, that's a sticky one. Yeah. I don't know, do they ever say shit? Or damn? I or God? think, yes, to, I don't know about God. I think they've dropped God for evil earth. Right, evil earth. Do, but do they say hell? I don't think so. So anything I think that's like I think a, your I think your point is null. So anything that's a blaspheme <laughs> is gone, I guess. Yeah. So they so they've gotten rid of the well, you, uh, even, that's religious even now, right? Like no one says zounds, <laughs> right? Zounds. <laughs> I'm going to try to bring it back. I I think you should. As so, a swear. Yeah, um, like. Like, I'll go to a church and be like, zounds, and see if anyone's like, <gasps> Yeah, see if anyone mm. clutches their pearls. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say probably not. I okay. Can think, I can think of one old lady in our neighborhood who might. <laughs> <laughs> you have to really be up on your, on your ancient swears so you can make sure you're offended by everything. Yeah. Yeah. She has a book at home. It's important in this world. <laughs> you got to study. We got to find more ways to Nanny Narn's little book of blasphemes. <laughs> <laughs> every day. It's it's what like one of those learn a word day? calendars, but every day it's some medieval blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I wonder yeah. if there's that many. Tarnation and Ooh. uh Zounds is a good one. I used to know definitely more of them. Uh, and then what, uh, in the next hundred years, what new fun curses do you think we will add? Oh, man. That's, do you that's think a we'll, little... Baseline. Do, do you think we will get uh, safe, safe for TV yeah. uh, swear words like frack and rutting? 
Ooh. You're a real Bezos. <laughs> or Bezos, yeah. <laughs> maybe we would, maybe we would uh, like, ellipse it. So it would be like, ah, you're so Bezing stupid. <laughs> it means Make like, it a gerund. It means like greedy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> like a miser. Stop being a Bezos. You Bezos. Stop bezo. Stop basing. Really basing. Really based that up. <laughs> <laughs> Watch as our podcast sp- license sp- is pulled sp- somehow. <laughs> <laughs> base to to base something up means you take all the money and credit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, I guess we it would have to be something along. Uh, it would have to be something uh, climate disaster related, right? Because like flaking and rusting, those are all based on the disasters that they've gone through. So would we have to like, are we going to add flooding? Is that going to be our, our new curse word? This is flooding ridiculous. <laughs> this is soaking ridiculous. Soaking, there you go. You're just a pain up in my soaking crundle. What a seep. What a seep. Oh, that's good. We should write this down for a world-building seminar. Yeah, that's very nice. Pretend, <laughs> pretend that this is a writing podcast. <laughs> Maybe damp. Podcast. Damp can replace damn. Damp it all? Yeah. This is good. This is really, we're coming up with some evocative mm-hmm. stuff here. You're really molding me out right now. <laughs> That's good. Wow. Wow. Everything I'm You need to get your head just... out of the fungus. <laughs> but... Why don't you go make a rice patty? Because it's so wet. That one seems racially charged. No. It's so <laughs> wet. You grow the oh. rice in the water. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think part of why that seems racial is because it already is a racial spirit. Damn it. Where they're like, yeah, patties. Oh, man. Like, yeah. We're just going to inadvertently say a a bunch of racial slurs. Accidentally (laughs) stumble on. What about mix? Or something. Yikes! We better stop this now, bro. Yeah, no, this is good. I, I think we've got enough to. Like, what's a uh, slur for Irish? For... We can just throw out there. <laughs> Who cares anymore? Oh my! All right. Well, I think we have enough to write our uh, YA dystopian novel. So. <laughs> wow. Well, does anyone have anything else they want to discuss or offer? All I want to offer is a heartfelt thank you to my co-hosts, Summer, Brock. That's nice. Me, mostly. (laughs) Mostly. Wow. Uh, Thank you for joining us for the uh, Whatever Earth episode this was of the Space Biff Book Space. Um, Next month, we are... I think it was 20. Episode 20. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds right. We've been doing this for a while now. <laughs> How about we read 20 books? Next month. It's been legion. Next yeah. month. Next month. 
Whose turn is it? It's my turn. Oh, okay. My goodness. My turn. Next month, we will be reading The Stone Sky by N.K. Jemisin. Oh, cool. All right. Good, I want to read it. That way we can just read it while we actually remember any of these nouns. Yeah, good call. Sounds good. Because when you were saying Jiju or whatever, I was like, Jiju. Who on earth is Jiju? Well, he's dead now. Yeah, you don't need to remember Jiju anymore. He's He's dead. He be be dead. He diamonds. (laughs) (laughs) That's a future Raga slur. He diamonds. (laughs) All right. Outro music. Repetition is of the greatest. Blink, 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 blink.